This week, Wendy's wants dynamic prices. Gaming studios lay off devs. Wikipedia doesn't trust AI. And Warner Brothers doesn't want Paramount. It's Sunday, March 3rd, 2024, and this is episode 662 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be... On uh, social media, Facebook, X, or Instagram, through our live streaming services, Twitch, Kick, or YouTube, where you can join the community and get ad-free episodes of F5 Live and Pilchpoint, plus uh, content as it's available, or on our website, pluckitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways you can do that. The first is... Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedback on the topics as they happen. Uh, If you're not able to join us live, that's okay. Uh, Pluckitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilchpoint, Pluckits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, you'll find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. Now, you may have noticed that that intro was a little different. Uh, Livestream.com is missing because Livestream.com is going away and may already have gone away. So we've been there for, what, 10 years, something like that. It's uh, sad to see the platform go, but that's okay. Uh, You can join us over on any of the other platforms, uh, Twitch or YouTube. Uh, for the live show being uh, probably your best choices. Anyway, we're back, Abram. <laughs> hey, I want <sighs> I want to apologize to everybody for being gone for so long. Um, I got sick and couldn't talk in any meaningful way for weeks. There was also a little bit of uh, behind the scenes, inside baseball kind of stuff going on that we won't get into here, um, but. It's been a weird couple of weeks, but I'm definitely glad to be back. Great. Well, um, so before we um, get to the... So eh, I've had a couple of weeks, but not as bad as yours, I guess. Um, One thing that we're not going to cover in today's Pilch Point, but I just want to mention happened to me in the last two weeks, and I wrote about in an article is that uh, somebody spam i discovered spam calendar entries did you know that someone can put an event in your google calendar against your without your permission fascinating no i did not and i didn't even see that article by (laughs) by default uh they can you can turn it off but uh but yeah the um I, apparently this has been going on for years. Uh, like this has been a known vulnerability for years, but, but, uh, it, you know, it never happened to me before. So what, now you tell me if you think this is really bad, maybe it's not that bad. You tell me. So by default, Google calendar, and I should note that this is for my work Gmail. So this was default enabled on a Google workspace. Okay. Uh, a Google, uh, although it also is default enabled on personal. 
if somebody mails you an invite and you do not accept it or even see the email, it will get added to your calendar. And similarly, if somebody okay. mails you something like a plane itinerary, uh, the AI will say, wow, I'm doing this person a real favor and put the plane departures uh, in, or I don't know what other things this happens for. I haven't, you know, I might also be tickets to a concert. I don't know. Um, it's trying to be nice. It's trying to do you a solid, right? Sure. But the problem is that, and I have to say many times it has been very helpful for me because I'll miss a mail from work. My boss mm -hmm. or somebody sent me to go to an uh, event and I'll see it on my calendar. Okay, that's good, right? And if I really shouldn't be going, then I can decline it then. But what happened to me last week was it was 2.50 on a Friday and my phone started buzzing that I have a meeting, right, at three o'clock. And I was I don't remember having a meeting at three o'clock. I opened up my calendar and it, there was an entry that said, Reign supreme. I was like, I don't know what that means, but maybe <laughs> somebody's trying to say we'll have a meeting about how we're going to reign supreme after we do various things. So I open it up and look at it, and it was a marketing message. It said, We will, you know, greetings, we'll help you get to the first place in Google and get you lots of clicks if you call our marketing agency. Now I get all kinds of, I get that kind of spam every day as email. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Here's what made it super. In, so the person had sent it out, sent it as an invite to a Google, to a call at three o'clock. But I don't know if there actually ever was a call. Right. They, you know, but because there's no phone number, it was just like, I think automatically puts a Google Meet uh, URL. But they sent it out at like 245 or something like that. So, you know, you didn't, I didn't have time to notice it and decline it or whatever. And so it showed up in my calendar. And of course, if you get alerts for your calendar, now you're getting an alert about a piece of spam. What was really insidious about this though, and this I blame Google for is, the message was marked as spam by Gmail. So Gmail knew it was spam, but it still put it in the calendar. Oh. And that made it actually even harder to detect because you don't look at your spam folder, right? Right. Every minute. So. I couldn't even find where it was from. It wasn't even showing until I looked in the spam folder. So anyway, I have an article about this. You can just turn a set, change two settings, two default settings in Google and you can fix it. But um, I don't know. I just wanted to mention that that happened to me because like I didn't know that that could happen. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, once you start thinking about it, like I get, I get meeting invites for work stuff and all the time and they show up on my both outlook and my team's calendars immediately. Right. Which for me works out because I never check my, some of my company email addresses. <laughs> right. It's, it's a net positive, right? Right. But, what? The the idea of sending out a meeting invite rather than a marketing email, so if it goes to spam, it still notifies you. That's I mean, it's evil genius. It's evil. yeah, yeah. But it's evil genius level. I mean, it's brilliant. Whether it went to spam or 
whether it went to spam or not, it was a good note because you don't normally get a your phone buzzing for an email, right? I don't, right? right. Uh, for every email that I get, but but if I have an appointment coming up in ten minutes, I do. So, yeah. like, I just want to say a spammer caused my phone to vibrate and caused me to go look at their message. So I just want to say that that is some good spamming right there. Now there is a setting where you can just say don't add event calendar invites from anyone you don't know, and that is not the default me- default setting. Oh, okay. The default setting is add from anybody. What it should be is add only from people that you in your address book or you've interacted with or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's interesting. Which now is an option, but not the default. Yeah. Now I feel like I need to go test this across all the email providers. Yeah. Anyway, it's. uh, I wonder. Like, I wonder if this is some sort of a marketing response to the to the what is it the multi message. Uh, changes that Google just implemented a couple of weeks ago in Gmail. I wonder. I wonder if this is marketers trying to get around that. I don't. I don't know. I mean, first of all, it's it's like if you're a spammer, you want to spam. You want your message seen, right? That's your whole point. Mm-hmm. You don't care. I assume you don't care if you annoy people. You want someone to see your message. So sure. this is a very successful way of doing that. Yeah. I just want to say. Now, I would be curious, you know, what what you could do to, like, make it happen on purpose. Like, did, was this person trying for it to end up in spam? Or did it not matter because it would have been added to my calendar whether it ended up in spam or not? But, right. Um, but anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't want me to take us off the rail with that. But I just wanted to know. Mentioned that That's as a thing that happened, a thing that happened to me, and I thought about doing it for the culture point, but I don't know if that was worth going into for that. So I just wanted to mention it real quick. We have an article about it on Tom's Hardware that you can see, but um, you know, anyway, it's just weird because it, 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 like, uh, you know, it's the first time that ha- that has ever happened to me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I wonder if it's related to the to the Gmail marketing changes that they just implemented. Um, I mean, I don't think the vulnerability is cause I, I Googled this no. and I found people complaining about this from five years ago. So, but I, but I wonder I if think... your, your sudden influx in, in examples of it. Influx was one. Oh, okay. Influx was one example. So. Got it. Okay. It sounded like, I mean, if I start to one. get an influx, if I start to get an influx, that would be, uh, that would tell me something, okay. but, um, no, it, no, I mean, but it also does point out some of the things that AI does for you, right? I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. if you would call this an, a use of AI, but like some of the things where it tries to do you do you a solid, it doesn't, right? Like, right. For, like another one that you know was seemingly harmless was when my mother sent me her flight itinerary when she was going on a vacation last summer, mm-hmm. and I got alerts when her that like, hey, you have a flight leaving in five minutes. Like, Whoa, what flight? And then I realized <laughs> it was her flight, right? Yeah. And it wasn't my problem. But so, like, it it just saw yeah. an itinerary in there. And it was like, hey, I'm going to add. Now, what happens to the travel agent? Does he just get everybody's stuff on his calendar? Yeah, quite possibly. So that we yeah. do that for uh, for the CES team when we when we travel. Uh, all of them, all of the, the itineraries all come in to me. So they all show up on my calendar. Right. But 
for me, I want it that way because I want to know when the team is getting in. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's good except for the fact that it's sometimes it's nonsense. So by default, seeing as yours, you should sort of have a setting of it's like it's not really my event. Yeah. Because then you start to get alerts like, hey, your flight is leaving. You've got 10 minutes to get to the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. We can get really on to this. But I, 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 but I thought I, that was an interest. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, for sure. I, I love this kind of thing because it's, it's those little oddball vulnerabilities that people are like, hey, I've got a stupid idea. <laughs> and then they do it and it works. It's. I mean, right. it's annoying beyond all belief, but it's super clever. Yep. Hmm. Anyway. All right. Well, um, uh, in regular housekeeping stuff, I guess, before we get into the show, I have a stack of product next to me and just outside of the studio that we have to do unboxings on. So definitely expect... A um a big influx of those videos here soon um uh, on YouTube and uh, on the website and Facebook are the three best places to see the unboxings and the how tos. Like I said, there will be a ton. There's a chair. There's a robotic vacuum. Um, another Withings scale. A watch. I thought maybe this thing would have helped you, Avram, but it's not. It's uh, It's got something to do with a uh, drainage line for HVAC, but it's definitely for flooding. Uh, all, all kinds of stuff coming in the near future, so definitely keep an eye out for that. But for right now, let's get down to the news. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, tablet, Xbox, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. Remember, current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% off almost everything. To browse the products and learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv Microsoft. This week, um, it appears that two scourges of the technology world are coming together to um, potentially ruin Wendy's. So, the company, uh, in an interview with Food & Wine, said that they were investing $20 million into new digital menu boards in and outside of their restaurants over the next uh, 12 months so that they can implement... Uber-style surge pricing on their menu items using AI to determine per location, per environment, uh, when those surge prices should be going into effect. Obviously, this uh, created some reactions, most of them not positive, uh, as you might expect, and... Um, so, uh, news agencies around the country all wrote about this, put it on, you know, local news broadcasts, and uh, uh, X slash Twitter was 
all aflutter with... See, there's a an analogy that you can't really use anymore since it's not called Twitter. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> all aflutter with, uh, with people who were really upset, lots of comments on articles on Facebook, on other social media, all saying, well, if this goes into effect, that I, I'm out on Wendy's. I'm not interested in, in going to Wendy's anymore. So much so that the company actually had to respond to it, and their response was odd. Uh, they definitely tried to backtrack a little bit, basically saying, no, 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 no. See... We're being misrepresented. What we said was we're going to make prices cheaper during times when it's slow. We didn't say we were going to make it more expensive during times when it's busy. Isn't that to the which same I thing? say, isn't that the same thing? <laughs> right. When I heard that, I was I was scratching my head. I said, is that like, so are we just trying to say that, so... The most charitable analysis of this um, situation is that somehow the prices will stay the same as they are before it's implemented. Because mm-hmm. the price, you know, here's the thing that I, I don't think that the, am I wrong? Or it seems to me like the prices aren't exactly totally fixed, are they? Like if you go to, if I go to Wendy's in my neighborhood and you go to Wendy's yeah. in your neighborhood, we don't pay the same prices, do we? Right. Store to store, it can be different. There's there's fran- there's some corporate owned, there's some franchise, there's some location-based things. Yeah. Um, it, it's not fixed across the company. So you, how would you even, if they, imp- how would you even really know what normal was, right? Because you, what the like regular price was, how would you know? It's a fair the, question. I mean, I guess I guess you'd have to see the day before they started this implementation what the price was and then see if the highest price that it is, that it ever goes to is that price mm-hmm. and and then you could say okay, they're just lowering the price at certain times. But it right. certainly means that the price is higher at other times. But right. the problem is we, unless you're to keep a really complex price history of every Wendy's, right? You know, mm-hmm. how would you even know? Because I'm sure they raise prices all the time, right? You know, the cost of, you know, lettuce goes up or something, and you pay, mm-hmm. and you end up passing that along to customers. And I bet I'm no expert on this stuff, but I bet that they, I bet they don't lower it back again. I bet you know, if if right. they had to raise the price of a hamburger by a dollar because of supply issues and all of a sudden the supply issues get a little bit better. Yeah. And they're making more profit. I don't think the very few companies ever say, Oh great. We're going to hand that 50 cents back or dollar right. back or whatever to the, to the customer. So yeah, it's not like, um, it's not like after all the supply chain issues of uh, 2021, once they were resolved, it's not like prices came back down and everything got, went back to normal. In any industry. Right, exactly. So, right. So everybody's, you know, so, I mean, I think obviously there will be, they probably also look at what McDonald's, what their competitors, McDonald's, Burger King, whoever is in the neighborhood are, is mm-hmm. charging, right, um, and I, when they come up with prices. So in fairness, I don't know that Wendy's does any market research because in my experience, they are always 50% higher than the next closest 
competitor. You know, I, I'll be honest. I don't eat fast food enough to be familiar with like what the price is right now in my neighborhood, in my area for a Wendy's meal versus a McDonald's meal versus a Burger King meal or, you know, other White Castle meal, whatever. Um, so, I mean, look, you everything costs more. This is a problem in, um, I don't even say it's a problem in American life. It's a problem in life because every every country is uh every well every developed economy every you know you know every prosperous economy however you want to put it um is dealing with the same thing of the cost of living going up and wages not not keeping pace with that so uh, i mean wendy's it is kind of a smart business move to say like we're going to incentivize people to you know to eat more at these other times because if we're keeping the store open maybe it like maybe it maybe it makes sense but i mean i don't i don't know like i'm not a consumer psychologist here i don't know is are they expecting that people are going to be like oh I was going to eat at six o'clock, but I'm going to hold off eating dinner till nine o'clock because then I'll save a dollar or two dollars right. or whatever. Right. I mean, it, it that could affect somebody's behavior. I don't know. It 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 depends. Like, I guess if you're a person who eats fast food a lot, then then maybe you would do that. Yeah, um, it might it might affect your behavior some. But on the other hand, I mean, when I'm eating it, it's usually like some kind of occasion or I'm on a trip. If I'm on a trip, yeah, I'm not, you know, going to be, I don't know, thinking about that. Although I guess, you know, I don't know, maybe if I was on a road trip and I knew the prices dropped at like 8 o'clock and it was like 730 I'd say like, oh wait, I'll wait a half an hour and I'll eat at eight o'clock. I don't know. I'll, I'll 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 take the next. I'll skip the, that rest stop and I'll go to another one. But I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting thing. I guess the question is, if they didn't announce this, would anyone have really noticed? I feel like almost certainly people are weird, especially about fast food, um, like. Taco Bell increases a price on something by 10 cents and the internet loses their minds. There's so much other stuff to <laughs> be, you know, concerned about. I mean, the price of things at the grocery store for when you like, I mean, sadly, sometimes the fast food might actually be cheaper than making your own meal. Um, so not wrong. So, you know, I think making your own hamburger is is not cheaper so um i don't know yeah i mean obviously this is bad pr for them um but i wouldn't be surprised if everybody else does the same thing and then it will become like baggage like airline baggage right and that one it'd be one like the baggage airline, fee one airline decides to be different 
like you know, no, like you know, once South, everybody went that direction, and, then, and Southwest was like, "We're not gonna." Right, and yet, and yet, we're gonna set ourselves uh, apart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be an opportunity. I mean, for now, for now, they've just handed a commercial to McDonald's or Burger King, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Hey, we, you know. We had to charge you the same amount no matter when you eat. Come anytime, blah, blah, blah. Right? Right. So, hey, young young folks who haven't, uh, who weren't responsible for a phone line before the year 2000 or so, do you remember that people used to wait till 9 o'clock to make their long-distance phone calls? Yep. There, there's actually a blues song about about the guy calling his sweetheart saying like you better no I can't call you till nine o'clock or something <laughs> yeah like like that's a whole that's a thing that that like you know if when I tell my son about it like he totally like what do you mean there's a, you you waited till nine o'clock to call people you got charged more money to call someone who was far away than someone who was nearby. Like completely, completely uh, foreign to, to anybody who had, who basically, I mean, I don't think there was that ever the case. I think in early days of cell phones, you also got not at nighttime, you got nights lower, you got either unlimited or nights and weekends. Right. So, your minute count only uh, only applied to uh, day, like business day, and you ended up with nights yeah. and weekends. Yeah. So I, I don't know when that ended, but, you know, what, 10, 15, 20 years ago it ended maybe? Uh, that they started to come apart, yeah, 2010-ish, about the time Radio Shack I think switched smart... to selling T-Mobile. I think smartphones are what um, what kind of brought the end to that because, you know, look, people could find other ways to communicate and making phone calls was like the least important use of your phone. So nobody really cared about it anymore. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if what Wendy's is doing is, is terrible or terrible business or terrible to their customers or whatever. Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess we'll see. I mean, obviously, they're they they're going through a negative publicity cycle about it. But I I just I don't know. It doesn't of all the terrible things that businesses do to people, charging slightly different prices at uh, different hours, particularly if you're being honest about it, uh, doesn't seem like the worst. Yeah, at least they're being upfront about it. We'll see if this actually goes into effect. Um... Because there's always the possibility that you know, backlash changes their changes their direction. Um, just just as a quick note, while we've been talking, I've uh, I've gone and looked it up. Now I had to do it on Uber Eats because the Wendy's app won't work. I won't load data, which isn't a great sign. Um, the a Dave's double is eight twenty eight, and a. Uh, double quarter pounder is, is that 9, ju- 19. So, is that with actually, fries and a drink or 
No, that's just the sandwich. But uh, but everybody everybody gets it with the with the meal, right? But just just looking at the at the base unit, um, Wendy's is actually less expensive than McDonald's, which I wasn't prepared for. I think they're chicken and, stuff you know, is the other way around, though. I'm going to opine, opine here and say that I the, of the three major chains, the Wendy's burger is the only one that I like. So I don't like I don't like the Burger King or the McDonald's burgers. So, Fair enough. You know, not not that I'm a great connoisseur, but when when I'm you know when I'm traveling and we're like, hey, you know, want to go to fast food? I'm usually like, yes, let's go to Wendy's. I actually like Wendy's better because I like the burgers. If we go to McDonald's, then I'm going to get chicken. Yeah. Of course, near my house, near my house, we have the greatest fast food restaurant of all time, which is White Castle. But there are very few of those, and I don't even know if you have that in Florida. Um, we have one somewhere. Um, we have... We're more likely to encounter a crystal around here than we are a White Castle. Um, White Castle is a different food. It's a different kind of food. It's not a hamburger. Yeah, it's a White Castle. I. Uh, it's it's I, a different I substance. I took Noel there when we were in Vegas because <laughs> we don't have any like directly around us, and we happen to have one right next door <laughs> to the hotel we were staying. Yeah. At. Oh, that's. There was a White Castle in Vegas? Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Oh, wow. There's a couple of them right on the strip. Wow, that's that's fantastic. And you know White White Castle, for, for our, our audience who's really enthralled with this conversation, I'm sure, <laughs> is actually the oldest, of, the oldest of these chains. White Castle started in 1925, I think. Yeah, so something like that. White Castle is the, is the original. My uh, my hometown here in Long Island, right near the train station, we have a White Castle, and the White Castle is blue and white, and the train station that's right next to it, until they just remodeled it, was blue and white. So I used to think the whole town was just one big White Castle, until I moved <laughs> here, and I was like, oh, actually, it's just a coincidence or something that the White Castle and the train stations right next to it look like they're one unit, like you just take the train in to go to White Castle. Um, but anyway. The, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, I think surge pricing got a bad reputation because of Uber. Yeah. Yeah, because for sure. People were very frustrated with, they're like desperate to get somewhere and, you know, and they and, don't really have a choice. They needed to take their Uber and then they got charged a ridiculous amount of money. And the whole point was kind of that it was supposed to be easier less obtrusive and less expensive and then it wasn't all of a sudden and so right. you know people got upset with this concept but you know if what they say if what wendy's is saying is correct that the the advertised price is going to be the the top and all you might see is a lowering which of course is not going to be the case but if that's true i mean it's just a benefit to get people to come in at off times but that's not what Uber was doing, right? That they didn't even consider that. It was all about going up <laughs> during busy times, and that did screw up the whole dynamic pricing concept for sure. Right, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So you know, 
hey, uh, it is what it is. I don't, I don't think it's going to be that bad. If it even happens. Just as a note, uh, the chicken sandwich is the same price between the two of them here. Just because now this is what I'm doing is validating my theories <laughs> and proving that I'm 100% incorrect. Uh, Wendy's is actually less expensive than McDonald's. I was not prepared for that at all. Uh, um, from a tech perspective, by the way, what is this? How is this AI? Uh, you know, that the term has lost its definition is probably like, the I, best answer. Why do you like, cause it sounds to me like this just sounds like data using data. Mm-hmm. Why would you need, why it's do you just, need an AI? It's to just do standard that? data analysis is what I think. You don't know. I mean, like they make it, this is where the term AI is being thrown. Like, so, so a calculator's AI too, right? Like, because it's just data. I don't see right. why you would need, you certainly wouldn't need generative AI, but I, I sure. don't see why you would need anything that's been developed in the last few years to figure out what time the foot traffic at the Wendy's is higher or lower and to make, and to make a decision. You're just going to have all that and just ask, yeah, hey, AI, what time should we change the price? Like, right. It seems we, it's that sounds like automation a, to me, not right, not not artificial intelligence. I completely agree. Um, at at Radio Shack in like 04, we implemented a system that kept track of, you know, it, it looked at tickets uh, against history, it looked at weather, it looked at um, how the ticket count changed based on on expected weather. And then was able to determine how many employees we needed at any given time. This is exactly the same thing. And that was, oh my God, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you could hurt. have done it 100 years ago without computers if you just kept yeah. track of, what, of sales. It's the Farmer's Almanac. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> see how, this, this, how AI enables this, this use of technology. Yeah, it enables no, it's, this policy. It's nonsense. Um, it's the term AI being completely uh, lost. It, it doesn't mean anything anymore. Yep. So, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens both in consumer uh, response and in actual implementation uh, sometime next year. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. You can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. I'm very excited, Avram. You have a show in town. All right. So I am reviewing the new ThinkPad X1 Carbon here. Uh, so this, so uh, X1 Carbon, for those who haven't seen our prior segments on this uh, computer, on its predecessors, is Lenovo's um, kind of flagship ultra portable. 
uh, yes, they say it's for business, but uh, really anyone who does any kind of work, even if it was schoolwork, uh, I recommend uh, something like this. Uh, you know, really lightweight. And because it's a ThinkPad, uh, it's very durable, you know, has gone through a lot of uh, mil spec testing and other types of uh, test, you know, other types of durability testing. And of course, it's got uh, it's got the standard ThinkPad features of having a track point, um, the red little red nub that uh, some people dislike, but I love um, because it allows you to to be really productive while typing because you can just move around uh, without lifting your hands off the home row. For those who don't like the nub, uh, there is still a really large uh, trackpad here. I think this is a uh, glass trackpad, very smooth, uh, has a really just the right amount of uh, smoothness. So, uh, so this is a redesign of a small amount of ThinkPad X1 Carbon because it, it while it looks quite a bit like prior models, it's actually a little bit smaller. So it's still 14 inch screen, but they've managed to, uh, it's 1610 aspect ratio, they managed to pack it into a slightly smaller chassis. So uh, you lose about a little bit, a little portion of an inch off of, off of the front. Although I find, and I have to do a little bit more long-term use of it, that I still can fit my wrist reasonably on the on the palm rest here, but I definitely want to spend more time with it on my lap uh, before I say that you know that it's you know, that it's not too small. But you still have a fair amount of wrist space here. Um, it's it actually went down in weight slightly. So the prior models were all like two point four nine pounds, and this is two point four two pounds. So can you tell the difference of 0.07 pounds? I don't know. Um, but it is definitely more compact in terms of length and width. I wish I had uh, an old ThinkPad here to show you. And I actually do own a ThinkPad X1 Carbon, although mine is five years old. So I don't know if it's, it's pretty close to being the larger model of that, you know, the old, old dimensions. Um, and... You know, if you put it next to it, you can see that the old one has a little bit more in this direction, a little bit more in that direction, right? Um, it is still made out of, um, you know, carbon fiber and other materials. Um, another, a new, another new thing that they've done with it is if you look here, this is sort of the communication bar here, which wasn't there before. So the webcam is actually in this bar um and it also the ir sensor for facial login and this is a 1080p webcam so it's giving you better quality uh better quality conferencing than than some than the older models so i think last year's model was also 1080 um but didn't have the communication bar uh another thing that is neat on this is that they have added a new feature to the track point for the first time and um, well, not the first time. It was on another ThinkPad, not the X1 Carbon, where you can get a special quick menu if you... Let me see if it'll do it right now. You get a special quick menu if you double tap on this. Let's see, is it going to do it or is it not configured? Okay. 
It's not going to fit. Wait, wait, it did. It worked. See? Oh, but it went away. Did you see that? It's quick. Yeah, there it is. Wait. Okay. Okay. So it's a quick menu, and the quick menu allows you to do things like toggle the camera and brightness and the microphone. Uh, but what I'm actually really curious about is if there is a way to um, make this into into a custom shortcut because I think that would be kind of cool, you know, like a launch yeah, Chrome or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I think that would be I think that would be pretty cool. I've told the people at Lenovo that, and they're like, "Oh yeah, well, we'll try and figure out how we can make it, you know, customizable or something." I wonder how it's seen by the operating system because if it is seen as a keystroke, then auto hotkey can uh, you could map it to auto hotkey and then you could could do something. So I'm gonna actually maybe I'll spend a few minutes experimenting to see if I can figure out whether it registers as a as a keystroke. Um, you also see notice over here on the sides that this has a full array of ports. So it's got two USB type A ports, one on the right and one on the left. And it's got two Thunderbolt 4 uh, ports over here, one of which you can use for charging, or you can use either one of them for charging. Um, it's got a full-size HDMI out on this side over here. Hard to see. I know it's dark. Just take my word for it. Um, and it also has, interestingly, the, the power button is uh is on the side so if you're the kind of person who this is not a two-in-one uh but if you're the kind of person who i don't know like me likes to plug it into your monitors that and leave a lid closed then i guess this could be useful because then you could turn it on without ever opening the lid um but uh looking on the inside here for a second uh so this is a um so far this so technically speaking i'm sorry this is the ThinkPad X1 Carbon Gen 12. It is the 12th generation of X1 Carbon, not to be confused with the fact that it has a Meteor Lake processor, which is Intel Meteor Lake is not being given a generation, but it is after the 13th or 14th generation. So uh, the 12th gen is for the generation of this notebook, not of the processor inside. Uh, so it comes with a Meteor Lake uh, core uh, core Ultra processor. Uh, this one has a Core Ultra 7 155 processor, uh, but there are ones that are uh, will be out with Core Ultra 5, um, and I think there's another Core Ultra 7. Right now, there are only two SKUs of this available on Lenovo, and they're both a little bit uh, higher priced than I think they will be. Uh, this just started, I mean, this just... They, they kind of put this up for sale in December, but they haven't, they only have two configs, which are both almost the same thing. So uh, this one here is the 2750 model, and this has a Core Ultra 7, 32 gigs of RAM, a one terabyte SSD, and this screen here, which is 2880 by 1800 uh, OLED with 120 hertz refresh rate. Um, I think that the screen now the other model that the other SKU that's for sale is basically the same thing except with it's 2300 and it's with a 512 ssd and 16 gigs of ram so among those two choices i would get this one because i don't think you should have 
uh, less than 32 gigs of RAM, particularly since the RAM is soldered to the motherboard, so you cannot upgrade it. You can upgrade the SSD if you take the bottom off. So um, so what's there to say? Why, why get this? Well, first of all, this extremely light uh, has an excellent keyboard because ThinkPads have the best keyboards around. Uh, 1.5 millimeters of travel, has the track point, uh, really sturdy, durable, has your has all your ports. Now the battery life, because of this screen, I think because of the screen on this model was so-so. Uh, it lasted uh, about nine and a half hours on a charge on our battery test, which is continuous surfing over Wi-Fi at 150 nits of brightness. Um, the prior model, which we tested with a base model 1080p non-OLED screen, uh, lasted 13 and a half hours. So, is this so? The interesting question, which we don't have an answer to yet, is if later in the year, when they come out with models of this with a lower, with a 1080p screen, and um, will it will the battery life be significantly higher? Uh, I'd like to think so. So, you know, we'll, so I guess we'll find out. Maybe Lenovo will have one to send to me to do a battery, comparative battery test. Um, but uh, I still really like this because the Meteor Lake processor has, has far superior graphics to earlier generation, like Intel 13th gen. So you're getting, um, so you, you're getting better graphics performance from the Intel Arc graphics, but you're also getting much better local AI. So, okay, I don't know. Maybe you don't want to do AI on your computer, but more and more things are coming out that will take advantage of local AI processing. So this has both the graphics, the Arc graphics, which does a pretty good job of doing AI workloads, and then it also has a neural processing unit built into the CPU, first Intel processor to have that. Uh, and the neural processor is supposed to actually handle, uh, can handle those AI workloads. However, in my testing, if given the choice, you sh and some programs do give you the choice, you would rather use the graphics, uh, the integrated graphics for an AI task because it's actually a little bit faster uh, than the NPU, although the NPU is pretty good at handling local AI tasks. What's a local AI task? I think I may have shown some of these on an earlier show. But you can do things like, uh, you know, you can use stable diffusion image generation locally. You can do, um, you can use like text, text to speech, uh, or I mean speech to text locally. I don't know about text to speech. You can do, um, you know, you can do things like removing background noise or, or blurring your background uh, using local processing uh, through a variety of apps, and and they're going to be more and more. Now, the interesting question is, okay, most of these things that you I just mentioned could also be done in the cloud. Uh, so how badly do you need it to be local? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't think anyone has yet come out with the killer app for local AI workloads for people who are not just experimenting and wanting to see, you know, developers or people like me who just want to play with it. So, uh, I mean, one possibility is um, this new uh, tool that is coming out um, that will allow you to, that will basically record everything on your screen and then like pixel by pixel, which I find scary uh, and will, um, 
will then like make recommendations to you. Like, oh, hey, I see that you promised such and such in an instant message that you would uh, get back to them. Well, you haven't got back to them. Um, Oof. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember the name of the app. They just changed the name of it. I think it's now called Superpower, but it was called. Um, they actually have this now for iPhone. You can actually do this on your iPhone already. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. That So that is something that you could potentially do with AI. I personally wouldn't want to do that. It seems scary to me. Uh, but, um, you know, that's... Um, so anyway... I, I think uh, despite the nine and a half hour battery life, this seems like the X1 Carbon 12th Gen seems like a really uh, a really great notebook, really great look and feel. The 11th Gen is still out and a little bit cheaper, right? So if you had to make a choice and buy today, I think I would buy the 11th Gen because this is so expensive and I don't like I don't like being saddled with this screen. I mean, the OLED looks okay. But it's actually not even 100% of DCI-P3 uh, color gamut. And 120 hertz is probably hurting battery life. Maybe there's a way of turning off of turning off the high refresh rate. But it's not a gaming notebook. So why do you why would you put 120 hertz on the, just to scroll more smoothly? Like folks, for those who, who who don't keep track of refresh rates, most monitors and and laptops default to 60 hertz. Lately, there's gaming monitors go to like 120, 144, even 500 hertz because people are looking to make sure that there's no, like when they're playing a game at a high speed, that they don't have something happen on the screen infinite milliseconds to, you know, later than they hit the button or whatever. There's, they don't want lag or that, you know, they want to see everything really quick. Um, but for productivity laptop like this one, I don't see why you would need 120 hertz. And the more hertz, the more time the screen is refreshing, it's obviously going to use more power. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that, that that makes sense to me. The higher refresh is definitely like, going to... I mean, so I don't, I don't know why. I don't know. Why. I mean, now, mind you, this is also 28-watt processor, and the... Um, last generation that we reviewed was the U series 15 watt, but they, um, so that may also play a role. But um, I mean, I think I think it's pretty. I mean, in the near future, Lenovo will be coming out with models with configurations of this that have the 1080p screen, uh, and I definitely recommend uh, going for that because I don't think that you really benefit from having. Much higher than 1080, much higher than 1080p resolution on a 14-inch screen, you're just going to end up turning up the um, turning up the scaling, right? Um, and then maybe I'm just thinking of this from my perspective, but my laptop now is my work computer. Like I take it to work and I plug it into my monitors at work and I use it there. So it's more important to me. So the look, at, so like having the screen itself be all pretty looking, I just need it. I need to be functional, right? Like decently bright and sharp and whatever but oled i don't like it's you're not going to be using this as an art machine so i you know i don't know i i wouldn't get i wouldn't get this with the oled if given a choice 
but otherwise it's um otherwise it's a really it's a really fantastic laptop well that's good to know um obviously if if the the oled isn't adding anything the refresh isn't adding anything that that the target consumer of this product is looking for obviously if you're looking for something like that or you know razor makes great laptops and uh, rog and you know there's there's things for high refresh you know detailed screens things like that makes sense drop down get the the less expensive one so how how far along are you on your review abram um Eh, about fifty percent, I think this week. Oh, oh, I found the name of the uh, the name of the the app. Okay, Rewind, but they're changing the name of it to like Superpower or something. But okay. you can still see it. Rewind.ai. Got it. So, um, this was demonstrated original. Intel is making a big deal out of Rewind, and they demonstrated it at their in September. They brought the. Uh, CEO of Rewind up on stage, and uh, I find it to be kind of frightening um, because you basically are asking if it's brand new. Yeah. And uh, when it comes out, we'll have a lovely. I mean, it's already out for iOS, but it's just tracking the phone screen, and the Windows one will track your computer screen. And so when I met with Lenovo about this laptop, they said, "Oh, like Rewind. If you run Rewind, uh, that will run locally, and so you'll really need the." the processor for it, although Rewind hasn't come out yet for Windows, but they're working on it. But the other thing is that Rewind wants to sell a pendant, is going to sell a pendant that records audio. So can you imagine you're walking around everywhere you go? It's recording all your conversations. Sure, all your friends will be happy about that. Yeah, we we thought there was a backlash against Google Glass in uh in public <laughs> now they claim oh no 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 it somehow it's not going to record people who haven't consented i don't see how that's going to work or like it'll not Imagine. really record them but just keep a record of what they said which i don't know if that's any better um so I, I don't know different well, I guess like maybe it doesn't keep an audio recording, but it just says, yeah. like, oh, you were talking to just this person and they told you. Maybe. I, it hasn't come out, so we can't really say, right? Right. Um, but, but I mean, like the, the, the premise of it like chilled me to the bone. Like you're going to spy on yourself. It's like an episode of Black Mirror. Um, yeah. But uh, a very specific episode too, <laughs> I can think of. But, um, but the, but, you know, the, apparently some people want this uh so that's one use case where having ai in your processor would i guess be very helpful sure i so i like at the bottom of their website they have a use cases section and they have four executives engineering sales and adhd well one of these things is not like the others yeah yeah i mean i don't know there's just so much invasion of privacy in in your life can you imagine in the future like your 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 smart speaker is like 
you know, you get into a, a fight with your significant other, like you were supposed to pay the bill. No, you were supposed to. Actually, actually, at five oh three p.m. on Sunday the twenty first, he he oh. said he would pay the bill. No, terrible. It it could be coming to a home near you. Oh, I mean, they're already uh, helping solve homicides while claiming that they're not storing recordings, but that's a whole different issue. Yeah. So anyway, stay tuned. This week we'll have a review of the of this laptop officially with all the benchmark numbers, which are pretty good, uh, on Tom'sHardware.com. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, overall, I say it's a really good laptop. But I'm I'm really looking forward to them coming out with the configurations with that are less expensive and have a lo- a less power consuming screen. Makes sense. Um, as always, Avram, eh, interesting uh, show and tell. It's I know it's uh, long been your favorite uh, device. You have one yourself. Yeah. Um, so yes, I mean, uh, always. For, I, I, I will it. admit, I will admit that like mine is now five and a half years old. So uh, every year I look at it and I'm like, oh, is this a year that I'm going to? to upgrade and almost certainly I will, I really like mine. So almost certainly I will get it and get whatever, get a new model uh, when it's time to replace it, which it may very well be in 2024. So, um, you know, but I can attest that the one I have from 2018 is still like my daily driver and I still, still really like it and still works Mm -hmm. really well. Yeah. I mean, that's, the the things we do to our computers that's a that's a pretty good uh, uh, endorsement that all this yep. time later it's it's still kicking and and you still yep. like using it that's all that's all yeah. a good sign it's getting a it's getting a little slow with Windows eleven and that's where you know having a new a newer model with more RAM sure. and faster processor would be good but uh, but it's still working well. I, I I get it, as I'm tapping my machine that's not even supposed to be running Windows 11, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, I followed. I mean, it, it, which I followed your instructions from a Pilch Point episode yes, to get the upgrade. Yes. I mean, it's <laughs> my 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 uh, ThinkPad just makes the cut, being like Intel eighth gen core um, CPU, and so my, it just makes the cut. And mine just miss, misses the cut by being a sixth gen. All right. You know, now for, for folks following at home, like that's not my only computer. I hear I'm talking to you on my desktop, which is more powerful than that. But right. when I go into the office to work in my office, I got to go in the office a couple of times, two, three times a week. That is my work computer because I don't use the official work computer they gave me because it's such a piece of junk uh, uh, or even if it wasn't to be to be really fair to my employer, I haven't asked for a new laptop because I don't. I want my own laptop because then I can install software on it and all that. But anyway, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's like that's. So I use it seriously for work. It's not just like oh yeah, I'm just going to use this once in a while on my couch. Yeah. Yeah. Same same thing with this poor guy. I've been doing all kinds of stuff on this guy that it is no longer uh, rated for. So- <laughs> 
Um, I'm also in the market for a new machine. And so, you know, that might be the direction to go. I, I definitely appreciate it, Avram. And uh, I look forward to what we talk about next time. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by EXA. EXA brings the latest technology to gamers, offering the most immersive products for the ultimate gaming experience. They've compiled the best elements of cutting-edge ENC tech, the latest in Bluetooth 5.0 and 7.1 surround, plus extra features into their headsets so everyone can enjoy a sensational gaming experience. And they've got headsets for Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. Plus, they won't break the bank. Learn more about the headsets that are available and any current promotions by going to f5live.tv slash exa. Well, the carnage in the gaming industry continues. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Microsoft slash Activision, the new now merged uh, company, uh, announced massive layoffs um it it wiped out products and all kinds of stuff i think there was a studio that that was nixed um the activision esports division was basically gutted down to like three people uh definitely definitely a big deal but since then it hasn't gotten better um as we have seen in the particularly in the tech industry, but other industries as well, but particularly in ours, um, when one big player has layoffs, the rest of the industry tends to follow pretty quickly behind. There's a couple reasons for it. One is um, the industry is now looking at them, right? Uh, looking at everybody to see how they're going to react. There's you know, proactive response to what is perceived to be a worsening environment. There's investor reaction, you know, uh, relations, all kinds of things that lead to it. And, uh, this week wasn't great. Um, so Sony interactive announced, uh, 900 employees will be laid off, uh, in that, um, the London studio for PlayStation is gone. um, Fire Sprite, Gorilla Games, Insomniac, and Naughty Dog will all see reductions, and it's going to come uh, affect uh, across all uh, parts of the business. EA announced 670 positions, about 5% of the company. Um, in there, they uh, canceled the Star Wars first-person shooter that was being developed by Respawn, uh, which is is a, a pretty big disappointment because Respawn did a really great job with the last uh, Star Wars game, um, which I'm, I'm not in that space. That's not my, my genre, but the, the reaction, the response to it was great, and there was a certain point uh, not too long ago where people were like, can EA give up the Star Wars contract? Is that 
possible? No? Okay. Uh, so, um, for, for them to have come back and hit it so hard on that, um, it was a, it was a pretty big deal. Um, they also, uh, have lost Ridgeline Games, the studio headed by, uh, the co-creator of Halo, um, and those, that team will be folded into Ripple Effect. They're also going to end support for F1 Mobile Racing, MLB Tap Sports, Kim Kardashian Hollywood, and the Lord of the Rings Heroes Mobile. So um, a bunch of games uh, disappearing over there. Um, they're not the only studio uh, this week. The, I, the now Wait, I there's a Kim Kardashian game? Apparently. I had no idea until uh, this announcement came out. Um, I was definitely a little concerned about it, but, you know, I guess it is what it is. <laughs> um, other, uh, other studios are affected as well. Um, unfortunately my screen just went down, but, uh, the now ironically, uh, named Supermassive Games is going to be laying off about 25% of their workforce, making them a little less supermassive, I suppose, I suppose. Um, and, uh. This isn't the only batch. In the time that we were off, we saw some other studios also um, uh, see layoffs. So, I mean, th this is definitely happening across the industry. Games are being canceled. Um, there was a game at Blizzard that was canceled in that in that first uh, set of layoffs over there. Like, there's there's a bunch of stuff that's getting it's getting nixed kind of all at once. Um, and, and it always sucks, right? Because now you've got all these developers that are looking for work in an industry that's trying to downsize, which makes finding a new job for any of those people difficult. All, all of it sucks. And then from a consumer standpoint, now we've got, you know, we won't, we won't get some of the games that people were really excited about. Again, another Respawn EA title, for example, or uh, another respawn uh, Star Wars title you know not great yeah I mean it's uh, it seems that layoffs are contagious uh huh so <sighs> so you know, you're seeing it across the industry. I mean, Microsoft did some big layoff game layoffs announced in January. On the day they announced it, their stock price went up 0.6%. So the market obviously likes layoffs, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the problem is that we have an economic system or a market system that seems to be incentivizing it. Um, so... And then what happens is, and I was reading some articles about this, there's like a contagion factor where they'll say things like, oh, well, your competitor just did some cost savings. Why won't you? You know, and so the, there, then it becomes an expectation. If one company yeah. does it, then another company has to do it. And there's people losing their livelihoods basically because it's the cool, like the trendy right. thing for these companies to do at the moment, right? Uh, it's not necessarily like there's probably some logic to it, but like some, but there's, you can always cut people, cut people 
But then when you cut people, the, the problem with cuts is they're very often not, not uh, felt right away or they're not mm -hmm. felt the, the immediate impact of them is not as bad as it is six months, a year, whatever. Right. You don't, you don't feel it um, as much. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's, I mean, that's going on, that's you know, going on in the game industry, but it's also going on in, um, it's also, the, the Star Wars game is a, is a great example of what you're talking about, right? That's, that's a long lead time for development, right? It's been canceled today and that, that project is gone, but the, the true effects of it won't exactly be felt for a couple of years until it was supposed to have come out. And all of a sudden the sales of a Star Wars title don't show up in respawn slash EA's pocket, right? And that there's a long lead time on that before the sales disappointment hits. Right. So the part of the problem is that we have a lot of businesses that really look at things in terms of how am I going to do this quarter instead of how am I going to do two years from now? And it's even possible that the executives who make these decisions won't even be there in two years when it was supposed to have come out. So what's for, their incentive, right? Their incentive example, is to raise the stock price today. For example, the president of Sony Interactive Entertainment or PlayStation. Oh, who was it? Is it PlayStation Studios? Yeah, I think it's the head of PlayStation Studios is, uh, I think, leaving in May. <laughs> So right. making this big announcement so, and then uh, right. uh, evacuating so, the building. Right. And if you and and you know, mind you, these decisions are also made by people who don't have to work, right? Like the amount of money that this person probably has in stock or whatever, they probably aren't going to be worried about eating mm -hmm. or paying mortgage or rent. Right? Right. Um but the people who who are who are laid off probably are worried about that. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's unfortunate. We have an economic, we have a market right now that really, um, you know, incentivizes this kind of thing because of the short term, the focus on short term gain rather than long term value. Right. Um, and uh, it's not it's not great. It's not great. It's not great. Really, it's not great except for the people who are making out, uh, except for uh, investors who are looking to sell their money to sell their stock right now. It's not. Um, it's not great because, you know, for the the people who lost their job is terrible right away. For the company's long term future, it's not good because they're not going to have see that money in a couple of years. And for the consumers who were hoping to have those choices it's it's terrible or right. all the big f people who are so sad now that they can't play kim kardashian's hollywood <laughs> so. i didn't even know that it existed until you just mentioned it but now now i can see that as a bright spot in the uh in this in this circumstance but but yeah you know, 
every it's, it's, every dark it's cloud terrible, has a silver so. lining, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh it seems like every game I play lately is like is like a really from a really independent studio though. Mm-hmm. So who knows how that you know that will affect the smaller the smaller ones. But um Well, you know, but, we might see you know, it's it, we might it's see more shame. Indie and it's studios. also happening in We might see more indie studios pop up because of it, because all of a sudden there's developers out of work and there's no other studios to go to because everybody's laying off. We've seen it before, right? This is this is how new indies get started. Yes. So I'm going. I it is. I don't think it's a new game, but it was new to me. I'm just going to put in my pitch for the latest game that I'm obsessed with, and I'm playing it on the Switch. But you can get it on PC. All it's five dollars in either case is uh called death road to canada and uh have you heard of it nope no nope it is looking it up right now bit looking zombie rogue light game and it is and it is like i'm like a, i'm like obsessed with this game it's like so much fun and it's such a great stress relief to just like to just like you know torch a bunch of 8-bit zombies um so the uh yeah it looks like fun so you know it's, like it totally looks like my kind so of game. like you know right exactly so like that's the kind of, so like there's a lot of games that I've been playing like that that are like that are like like fun and like pixel art and like really inexpensive. And I know they were made by like EA or something. They're made by small, small studios. And it seems that like, there's a lot of good spirit there. Right. Like another yeah. one that I really, uh, that I've really enjoyed uh, was uh wizard of legend, which is another, which is kind of similar in style, but not a zombie game where you're kind of going through like a um, dungeon and you got to like get through and, you get these different spells and whatever, but um, anyway, so there's there's innovation there, and maybe the innovation is happening from the bottom up. You know, not not an unusual situation, especially in this industry. So um, we'll definitely we'll definitely have to see how how this goes. There are still studios that have not announced layoffs. That doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Um, but we will definitely uh, keep tracking it as uh, as the next couple of months go on. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, plus it actively blocks threats like worms, rogues, dialers, trojans, spyware, and a whole lot more. It allows you to use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. To learn more and to get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash malwarebytes. 
All right. Um, obviously, we have talked a lot over the past year or so about um, AI, and in particular, ge- generative AI. One of the uh, topics that has come up uh, more than once, I think, on the show has been um, CNET and their uh, stealth inclusion of uh, AI-generated articles under the uh, byline of CNET money staff, I think is how it was how it was listed. And um, with that um, came backlash. And uh, that is continuing. The newest round of backlash on this topic has come uh, just this week from Wikipedia, who has actually downgraded CNET's um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Trust score, internal trust score, um, on whether or not they're a reliable source, um, because of the combined pairing of oddities of them using AI and, uh, that AI not knowing the difference between, um, for example, uh, principal plus interest and just interest um, and the editing staff's inability to catch something uh, so simple. So um, so Wikipedia has essentially marked CNET and in particular CNET money as a uh, not not a not reliable source but not as a um, highly trusted source. It's definitely an interesting move. Um, CNET responded by saying, but we're not using that AI anymore, (laughs) which isn't necessarily a great argument, um, but it's it's definitely interesting, Abram. So I don't think, I think, uh, I'm glad this is getting some attention. I'm glad Wikipedia went there and said this. I wish that Google would go there and say this, but apparently if Google said that AI is not trustworthy, then they'd be saying that they are not trustworthy. Uh, But look, the reality is you cannot, sorry, like even if you like the idea of AI providing information, at this moment, it's not trustworthy, right? It's not Mm -hmm. trustworthy, period. You ask if you ask it for factual information, it will give you other information. Mm-hmm. In other words, it can't be trusted. A, right. a person has social capital. A person has a reputation. I have a reputation. I, if I say something stupid, uh, people call me on it. Right? Sure. If I say If I say something... If I say something, you know, inaccurate, bad advice, whatever, like I get called on it. And if I did it enough, like people just wouldn't trust me. And if my company and my publication did it enough, they wouldn't trust us. Right. Right. So every article, every interaction, you're either establishing or you're breaking credibility. This is true with every business it's true with every publication it's true if you run a restaurant and you get somebody's order wrong right so why should our standards 
be so low that sure, we're just going to use AI and have it spit out uh, whatever, throw it up on the web and expect people to to lap it up like right. and have no complaints. Look, the problem with generative AI is that it is a prediction engine. It is not a consciousness. It's not like Joshua in uh, war games or something. It's not like, um, you know, Johnny number five or Lieutenant Data or Hal 9000 or I don't know, any, name any uh, AI, so many, right, uh, in, in fiction. And so we've all been trained to think that if you call something artificial intelligence, this is what it is. Right. It's, a, it's a consciousness, it's intelligent, it thinks, it has a memory, it has beliefs. No. What it is, is it is a statistical probability engine that has been taken a whole bunch of data off of the internet without permit, usually without permission, and is now basically doing autocomplete on steroids for your query. So right. when you take what's when, when publications like CNET uh, go and they and they come up with an article, they say, oh, OK, at this point, they have a human deciding what the article should be. So, so there's a there's the human in the in the in the chain, right? The human says, "Oh, I see." They probably use a keyword tool and say, "Oh, people are searching for an article on compound interest, right?" Mm -hmm. uh, please, you know, ChatGPT or whatever they used, please write me an art. They had to compose. That to sometimes to get this right, you spend so much time composing your prompt, you might as well have just written the article. But, you know, please, you know, please write me an article about compound interest and explain how it works and give a numeric example and make it uh, at least 800 words, something like that, right? So, so you do that, you get that text back. Now the question is, how, you know, who's, who's fact checking that text? Well, if the point was to get accurate text, like you're not going to hire a human to spend a lot of time reading it, right? Right. And to do this correctly, you can't just get any fool to read it. You have to get someone who's who's familiar with the subject matter, right? right? Like uh, the example that you gave about it miscalculating compound interest seems seems like a no-brainer when you explain it. But if you get someone who's not used to writing about financial stuff and they and they're just looking looking it over and they've got like you know five two minutes three minutes five minutes to look it over mm -hmm. they're not going to catch they might not catch right. that they, right they didn't in this case i mean and it's it's the most right i mean there i mean there's an interesting question about whether anybody read it uh -huh. right um but but the, but a lot of times when companies, and I think we may have talked about this in a prior show, what a lot I did an article about this, like why why AI why human fact checkers aren't going to fix the problem. A lot of times when you have an AI doing something like this and somebody catches an error, a factual error of the AI, the easiest thing to do is to blame a human. Oh, well, obviously the person who was supposed to be fact checking this didn't do their job. They, you know. Just get a better person, get a better fact checker uh, mm -hmm. 
to do their job and this won't happen. But the types of errors that the A's, these AIs make seem quite believable, right? Right. Um, and so you need someone who actually knows the subject matter. And then you need them to spend a fair amount of time looking at it. And then they also need to go and do research and be like, hey, wait, I'm going to go do like this. The AI made this claim. It claims that this is what compound interest is. Oh, I better go out and do a Google search to see if there's another source that's maybe not an AI source that that corroborates this claim. So um, and by the way, if you have ever had to work with an actual fact checker on a story, they expect the author to help them, which an AI will never do. Right. Right. Like, you know, we used to at one point when I was with Laptop Mac actually have someone whose job it was to be a fact checker and they were a pain in the butt because they would say to me something like, well, you know, where did you get this information from? Share with me the original source or something like that. But if you're fact checking, fact checking an AI, they're just going to be like, here's my information. Um, and so it's very unlikely that you're going to get really good uh, quality control on, on AI articles. And every incentive is to prevent it from happening because the reason that they're using AI articles is because they're cheap. So if you have to pay a person to spend half an hour rewriting it, mm -hmm. that is that is an incredible waste of time and money. Like, And the person who does it is going to be really, it's talk about a thankless degrading job. Like uh -huh. we don't like your writing enough to hire you to write it, but we'll hire you to rewrite the machine. Right. To be a ghost writer for a machine. Wow, that's, a, that's insulting. Like that's really like you're going to be disgruntled the day you start, right? Mm -hmm. So, so anyway, to get to to why this isn't isn't reliable, like it's inherently going to be unreliable when you have articles written by AI, and and a lot of people don't understand why they think, oh yeah, well all it takes is a few little tweaks and this will be fixed. No, the problem is that AI has a really hard time distinguishing between words and facts and it also has a hard time distinguishing between reliable and unreliable sources yeah. so they've trained these ais on every web page so if there's a web page that says the earth is flat and it sees that enough times it may tell you that the earth is flat because right. it doesn't have that judgment to say oh this cut this is a reliable scientific source i'm going to weight the information from this source as good and, I, and the one from this fool on Reddit, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to incorporate. Yeah. It, At least it today, have, that's not how it works. It doesn't have what Wikipedia has that has just downgraded CNET for using the AI. It, it's missing that important, that important step, right? Right. It doesn't, it doesn't, right. Yeah, it doesn't know who to trust. And so why should you trust it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And like, so and so the, the output There's no reason So they deserve this. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes the output is, you know, left field weird. Um, you know, there was the 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 obituary article on 
on uh, MSN News, the whatever useless at 42. All right, well, um, that was a huge swing and a miss. And then... Right, yeah. And then sometimes it's a link... What appears to just be a linguistic mistake, right? In this case, uh, what was it? Uh, what was the actual... Yeah, if, for example, if you deposit $10,000 into a savings account that earns 3% interest compounding annually, you'll earn $10,300 at the end of the first year. There's one word that's wrong. Have instead of earn. It's a... It was a predictive you said linguistic... You'll have. Right. You'll have. All, all of a sudden, going from earn right. to have, it makes the sentence correct. But by saying earn, you're saying you're going to double your money. Right? It's one word difference. And... Right. That, that gets you down to the whole humans aren't going to fix this because unless you're really good you're you might miss that you're likely to miss that linguistic mistake and it's not the really good people that are going to be hired right right exactly exactly so the other thing is that ai will introduce facts that are not in the source material if you ask it to rewrite something so Mm -hmm. that's that's a serious problem like uh like for example, I was testing a few months ago uh, Google Docs uh, write help me write feature, which uh, is really should be just be called write it for me. So because it doesn't help you, uh, so I gave it like a sample text biography, like three or four paragraph maybe biography of Albert Einstein, and I highlight and I said re rewrite this, mm-hmm. right? But only use but only use the facts in my, in the original, I even specified that Mm -hmm. it added information that was not in the original that it just found on the internet. So for example, it said Albert Einstein was a lifelong lover of ice cream. That was not in my bio. Is that true? I was able to find a article saying that Albert Einstein went out for ice cream once. So, But even if it were true, I asked it not to include information outside the sphere of my right of of the source material, right? right? And it didn't listen to me. The reason is, and I think the reason for that is it doesn't distinguish between words and facts. It's predicting whatever the next word should be. And right. so if the word is the should be the next word or it should be, Albert Einstein loves ice cream should be the next five words. Those are all the same to it. There's no, it can't distinguish between this is just English language and these are facts and assertions. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And so, and then when, when you add into it, that's why I don't think it's going, it's, it's going to work. All of this is also written by people, and people have biases. Sometimes sometimes they're programmed in explicitly. Sometimes they're put in just because of the way the human brain works. 
all of that makes this weird too, right? There was, we didn't get to do it last week, but you know, um, whatever Google Bard is called now, Gemini. Uh, uh, Gemini. Uh, Gemini, yeah, the Gemini image uh, image yeah. generation, right? Yeah, uh, Black George Washington, right? All these weird things that, that were coming out of female Indian Pope, right? Uh, no. Um, so, so, you know, sometimes it's in there explicitly. Sometimes it's, it's just because of the way the human brain works, but either way, all of that adds to the oddity of what comes out of these systems. Yeah, exactly. Because the really, the really basic thing that's missing and is very hard to create is common sense. Yeah. Even in people, it's not all that common. Right. Right. It isn't that common sense, <laughs> right? So judgment, common sense, social capital, reputation. This is how our, this is how our society works. And so, you know, people need to be accountable, right? People are accountable. Mm-hmm. AI, you can't have an AI that's really accountable for what it says. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like they, I, don't think I mean you didn't mention Sports Illustrated, but Sports Illustrated got in a lot of trouble for using uh, for using AI to write articles. Yeah, so, I forgot about Sports Illustrated. Um, you know, I I don't know if Wikipedia. I think they went out of business now, right? So I don't think it even matters. But like, yeah, I think, I think um, they're going out of business. But uh, but they were. But before they did, they were trying. They. They were trying to just to do it with AI, right? Doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Um, doesn't work. Well, uh, it's it's always an interesting topic. It's it is also interesting to see Wikipedia weighing in on it. Um, again, they they are against content on their own platform being AI generated um, and so it's not surprising that they are now kind of extending that to the source material, the reference material externally um, and certainly uh, this one in particular, right? Because of all of the oddities CNET has kind of been the shining shining example of how to do it wrong Um since the beginning, Futurist has hit them pretty hard uh, since they started doing this. So, you know, it, it makes sense that, that we are that we are here. This week's DRM Not Included in F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know that you get free shipping on millions of products with Amazon Prime, but you get a whole lot more. Like free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games, and a free Twitch subscription to support the content creator of your choice with Amazon Prime Gaming, plus a whole lot more. We've got links to all of these features and some of our favorites, plus a 30-day free trial all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. 
At the end of last year, some rumors started to emerge that uh, Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount were in discussions to merge into a single brand or possibly just merge their streaming services. It was all rumor and conjecture, so it was hard to know for sure what might be going on. Um, those talks uh, appear to have actually happened um, over the last couple of months. The CEOs of both companies um, were seen together um, for a meeting. So almost certainly this actually happened. Um, Paramount has been looking for a suitor. Uh, so it's not surprising that Warner Brothers Discovery might be on the list of uh, potential suitors. But if and uh, for sure that the rumors were true, um, those talks seem to have come to an end with, uh, without an agreement to merge. Um, this comes as both companies have released uh, their, their reports on their streaming services for the quarter. Uh, Max, which is Warner Brothers Discovery's uh, merged HBO Max and Discovery Plus um, for the first time in either of those platforms' uh, existences and in Max's existence, uh, it turned a profit. And Paramount Plus has still not. Um, it has been a sinkhole uh, for Paramount since uh, the CBS All Access days, and it has not... Uh, improved significantly, and in fact, um, I believe Paramount Plus lost another forty million in this last quarter, and um, Max, if I remember correctly, actually gained one hundred and three million. Uh, first time it's been in the black in its history. Um, so that may have led to uh, to Warner Brothers Discovery going ah, maybe now's not the time. Maybe we don't need to team up with somebody to see if we can, you know, T-Mobile and Sprint together, two little guys fighting the big guy. Um, maybe we don't need to do that because we just turned a profit. Uh, maybe y'all can go away. So no telling what, what comes next because um, it definitely seems like Paramount desperately needs to find a home. Um because they have an exploratory committee. They have a group actively seeking suitors. Uh, there have been a couple of names that have been thrown around. Skydance, uh, possibly some non-US based companies uh, coming in. But I, I don't know what might happen with Paramount uh, if they don't find somebody. But I'm, we've literally been talking about this, right? For a long time, Abram. The subscription fatigue is out there, it was inevitably going to start claiming victims. And I feel like maybe this is one of those victims that that's going to be claimed. There have been a couple already, but maybe this is the next one. What do you think? Uh, I guess so. But I'm kind of glad that Warner Brothers didn't merge with them, because didn't buy them, because... Uh, the guy who wrote the CEO of Warner Brothers, David Zaslav, is kind of the angel of death, uh -huh. uh, you know, in that he keeps uh, killing killing projects, right? I mean, he was the one who killed uh, Bat 
Batgirl and where's some of the other like projects he killed? Wiley Coyote versus Acme. There's like a whole bunch of of projects that he that he killed like after spending the money on them, let alone the ones that haven't even had money spent on them yet, haven't even started production yet, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, all of my favorite Star Trek shows will be dead if it gets, uh, if uh, Warner Brothers takes over because they're just so into cost cutting. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I, but yeah, Paramount, I guess, is in some trouble. Uh, they're not getting, which is a shame because they have some, some, some good content on there mm -hmm. um maybe maybe it's just that there's a fatigue and like you don't it's hard to break through and they don't have like if you don't if you don't like star trek or young sheldon i'm not sure like what you are getting out of it yeah you know but it oh you know what actually i get out of it uh it has a lot of Nickelodeon stuff. Yep. So my daughter likes it a lot, likes Paramount Plus a lot. Um, it's also pretty affordable with the commercials. Uh, if for like, I think it's something like $79 a year or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, yeah. So, or maybe it's even less. So I don't know. I, I find it to be a good investment. Like I, I find Paramount Plus to actually be one of the streaming services that I, I get a fair amount out of yeah um we were you know, we were literally, literally definitely watching, we were uh, watching a couple of def different series definitely on worthwhile. Today. um there's there's a couple of shows that we've been watching and now CBS. one thing that's a right i mean one of the things that's a little bit I don't know if it's sleazy, but annoying about it now is that they have sort of two levels of it. They have Paramount Plus and then Paramount Plus with Showtime. And you've got to pay extra for the Showtime. Mm -hmm. And they're both owned by the same company. Like, they really should, I don't know, consolidate that or something. Because it's annoying. There's like, oh, yeah, you go there and you think that there's a movie in it. No, no, it's actually you have to pay extra. Um right but yeah um but it has it has a lot of good stuff on it right it has the oh i haven't even watched it yet it has the halo show mm -hmm. right uh which a lot of people like obviously all the star trek shows which i personally watch uh for parents it's got all of the nick stuff including the new paw patrol movie uh you know and and when um you know like the blues clues stuff like all that stuff they have um so i don't know i feel like i feel like they have a decent selection of 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 things on there maybe it's not to the level of what you get from like the amount of stuff that you get from netflix but right um i don't know they have they have good stuff on there it's i think it's just hard to stand it's i guess it's hard to stand out um maybe they need to do something you know, maybe it's, it is a matter that they need to combine with somebody, but I don't think Warner is a great, uh, great for them because they'll just get, you know, it'll probably be like 90% of their stuff will be canceled. Yeah. On day one. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know who, 
like who should who should take it uh i mean it beats me uh when you it's funny though when you get if you really dig into all the streaming services that there are like there's a lot of niche streaming services out there yeah there are um paramount is not a niche service but like i have britbox which is just british tv and then i got my mom acorn which is some stuff that britbox doesn't have but it's turned out to not be that great so we're probably not going to keep it um you know so i don't know like there's there's a lot of like you could subscribe to pbs passport that's another channel like and then if you want like uh not you know foreign stuff like you want uh, you know you want to see particular you know streaming from a particular country uh then then there there are niche services for that too you know so there's a lot of streaming out there if you you know are particular about what you what you want yeah um it's it's definitely there's there's definitely a lot of choices and and maybe the problem for for Paramount Plus is that it's not specialized, right? It is a wide uh berth of of what's available between you know, Nickelodeon and CBS and BET and right. There's all all kinds of, and then Showtime on top of it. There's all kinds of stuff that's available on it. And maybe trying to be the everything app um, isn't where they should be focused. Maybe maybe there is a way to take their intellectual property and and do something more niche that actually does end up working for them. Or maybe they need to join forces with somebody and have a more diverse, a wider and deeper catalog. Because... While their catalog is wide, it's not very deep in any of those categories, except for save, you know, maybe uh, Nickelodeon, um, and some of the back catalog is CBS. But a lot of that's available on Netflix or you know other platforms. Maybe they either need to go deeper or narrower. I don't know. It's definitely interesting, though. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah. There. So they're I guess actively, we'll I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, they're actively looking for a for a buyer. So, you know, only only time will tell on this. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. I apologize. We've apparently been having network issues tonight. So uh, if you joined us live, it's been a little choppy. Um, you can definitely check out the show. Uh, the published show by going to plunkitslive.com slash subscribe. You can see all the ways that you can uh, watch, listen, and follow along over there if you would like to join us in the future for a live show and uh, keep our fingers crossed that we don't have issues with uh, network connectivity. Uh, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us and chat with us in the studio. Uh, We always like to hear feedback from the audience during the show. Um, it's one of the things that, uh, really kind of separates us in what we do. Um, but, uh, we, like I said earlier in the show, we've got a lot of, uh, content coming uh, over the next couple of weeks. 
So definitely uh, make sure you are subscribed uh, either on the website, through YouTube, or through Facebook. And with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. Nope. I'm Abram. There we go. And we will see you back next time. Ciao.